Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan McCoops, I'm your host, and I'm excited tonight to be uh, sharing the screen with Elena Johnson. Welcome to the show, Elena. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I was super excited to have you on the show. From the moment I heard you on the uh, Wish I'd Known Then for Writers podcast with yeah, Jamie yeah. Albright and Sarah Rosette, I listened to the episode. I remember walking around my kitchen and just being like, I got to listen to this again. There's just so much information <laughs> and this is so useful. I don't then, remember what I said, so I'm glad it was useful. <laughs> no, I listened to it again today and I was just like, this is still really useful. And um, so... But I was thrilled to find out that you actually have, not only are you a writer of uh, your own fiction, of course, you I know you write um, some contemporary Christian romance, and you also write um, cowboy, specifically mm -hmm. cowboy romance, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and then now you also have, you have uh, inspirational writing stuff for writers. So tell, tell us a little bit about this, this series. So my inspiration series, basically, um, I have a couple, I have three books in the series. Um, one of them is on writing and releasing rapidly. That's the name of the first book. Mm -hmm. And that's just because I feel like it's a real strength of mine to be able to write fast and release fast. And I came from traditional publishing. Uh, I, when I started in 2011 with Simon and & Schuster, and it was my number one biggest complaint about Trad Pub that, I have to, I only get to release one book a year. I'm, I can do more than that. Yeah. Um, but we never really could find, me and my agent never really could find another publisher. So, you know, indie was just really, was really made for me. I just really love it. And I remember publishing my first book and going, I need to do this again and again and again. Just like seeing the books on the KDP dashboard was like a drug. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this and I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping track of my data um, so kind of knowing uh, how things go um, based on releases and things like that and part of the rapid release strategy is that you have sort of this tiered launch strategy which I'd never really heard anybody talking about before and it was something that I'd been doing for a couple of years and I thought I, I think I could probably put together like a little nonfiction book for authors and so that's mm -hmm. what that book is um, my second book in that series is writing cover copy because I've been teaching query. I actually started teaching query letters in 2009 mm -hmm. and I blogged for the query tracker blog and it was all about query letters, which you use to get an agent. But basically a query letter is a back cover blurb, which yeah. is what we use to get a reader. Right. So I wrote a little book about that based on a bunch of blog posts and other things that I'd done over the years, mostly for Query Tracker and Agent Query and some online places where I'd hung out a lot in my trap web days. And then my latest book in the series is Writing and Marketing Systems, and that just came out last month. And basically, my indie inspiration line and my group that I have on Facebook um, and things that I do there is basically just to inspire people. It's indie inspiration to do things their own way, um, learn what works for them, and do it your own way so that you can find your success. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of indie authors want to be told exactly what to do. Do this, do this, do this, and you will achieve the same success that I have achieved or that so-and-so has achieved, or she did this, so if I do that too, I will also get that success and it's just not true so I find that I just try to inspire people to I do tell them what I do 
But really, the Writing and Marketing Systems book is basically 200 pages of me saying, giving you permission to figure out what you do best and then do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I love that. And some of the things you mentioned on Jamie and Sarah's show just resonated with me was so much. I was just nodding along, nodding along, being like, yes, yes. Don't listen to bad advice. Don't try to like customize your writing style to everyone else's writing style or to like who you think you should be. You right. Know, it's just, uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with Becca Syme at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've done a couple of good things. Yeah. She was on once too. And she has that Dear Writer, You Need to Quit book, which was yeah. also a, one of those permission to be yourself books. And there's, it's such a good um, attitude to have. Like, in your, I'm excited to check out your books as well because, uh, like I said, I was just nodding along, nodding along. And so much advice is bad advice. Or it's, it's not necessarily bad advice for other people, but it's bad advice for you. For you. So, yeah, and that's the key. And I think that like you, you did a you do a good job of calling that out. And I think more people need to call that out. Yeah. Well, and I just think for you know for me, I'm not new anymore. So sometimes it's hard to remember back to when you were new, and think, well, what would I wish somebody had told me? Like that's kind of the premise of Jamie's podcast. And I'm like, it was hard for me. I was like, I don't know because I'm not new anymore. And I, I don't know what I wish I would have known yeah. because you don't know it until you go through it. But I just think, you know, it takes a long time to come to that point and, and that's okay. And that's why I kind of write those indie inspiration books is because they're almost like a whole year of me coming to realizations of things. And then I put those in the book so that hopefully other people can, can feel inspired by them or take some of the tips and trips, uh, tips and tricks that I give for, Hey, this is how I learned to write really fast. This is how I learned to do um, the marketing and writing in the same day. This is how I learned to do this. But it's really this sort of process of mine that I come to after many years. And then I just kind of try to put it in a book in a way that will be inspired by it. I think it's a really interesting time that we live in and also a community that we happen to be in where we give back a lot. Uh, because as indies, we've had to go out and network and learn this stuff ourselves. Um, obviously, you, you've been in the trad pub world. So um, for those of, of us who haven't, it seems sort of like a, a lot of closed doors. Until someone lets you in, there's not a lot of information flowing out to like, okay, how to be, how to do anything. And then whereas the indie scene, it seems like, oh, yeah, I learned this thing. Why don't I turn around and tell you how to do this thing? And I also happen to be a writer. Therefore, I can create this book about it in a very convenient way and like let me just transmit all this information in book form because it's already what i'm good at and i think that that's just a fun you know community to be a part of because it's like we do learn so much over the years i mean you're taking you're just stealing okay this year's worth of knowledge becomes this book or this year's worth of knowledge becomes this book and it's such a great way to transmit knowledge because so many industries people learn they've been doing this thing for 10 years and they're great at it but it doesn't get transmitted Right. NARS does. Yeah, that's true. It really is true. Yeah. And and it's great that you've actually, you know, been one of the ones to actually do that and say, okay, I'm going to transpose this into a a format that people will really enjoy. And you have a phenomenal system. I would love to talk, explain to people a little bit about your system for those who haven't maybe caught uh, Jamie and Sarah's show about how you have this sort of, okay, my primary target for today is this, my secondary target is this. Like, can you explain that a little bit? 
Yeah, so I think in their podcast we talked about writing in two projects, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, so I still do that. Uh, I do find myself sometimes where I'm, I'm just moving back to one project, and it's just like a massive word count that day in that one project. Yeah. But at the current moment, I am working on two. And yeah, but my process for that is I try to make sure that they're really different. So I am writing a women's fiction uh, book right now and uh, one of my cowboy romances. And they're just so different. One is, you know, this Christmas and it's cowboy and this big family. And the other one is, you know, East Coast, you know, beach and her and her sister. So it's really different stuff for me, which I really like. I tend to work I don't want to say work harder, but I tend to think harder about the women's fiction because I want the language to be more, if that makes sense. Um, I really am trying to stretch myself with the women's fiction. So I think the more you write, um, it's really easy to get a little bit bored. Mm -hmm. And you start to go, well, I'm really good at this, and so I can just pump this book out. And you, you I, it sounds great, like everybody wants to do that, but you get a little bit bored. And for me, I really like to try different things to help myself grow as a creative uh, person and to improve my writing skills. So I've been taking a class on some, you know, just improving the language that you use and things like that. And I really try to put a lot of that into my women's fiction. So my women's fiction is almost always my secondary project because it takes a lot longer, takes more brain cells, it takes more time. But I really try to get one to two chapters in that every day, which is going to be 2,500 words minimum. And that's what I mean. I got 22 today. I wrote one chapter. I'm like, great. There's my one chapter in my women's fiction. And I tend to, I used to say that I would do that in the morning and then I'd focus on my, my front burner project for the rest of the day. But really what I've been doing is just whenever, whenever I feel like it, because my husband's doing a PhD program. So he's home all the time. My daughter's on a weird wonky school schedule, which I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And so I'm kind of in and out all the time with her and doing different things and having to pick her up or take her at weird times. And, and so now I just go, you know what? I think I have an hour at this time. I'm going to write that one chapter in the women's fiction. So yeah. even if I'm in the middle of writing something in the other book, if I've stopped, I just move right over to the women's fiction and I can do that because I leave myself a lot of notes. Um, if I'm really struggling with it and I know I need to get the words, I'll stop in the middle of a sentence so that when I come back to it, I'll go, oh, what was I doing here? Oh, I know what I'm doing here and I just pick right up. Mm. So I really had to train myself. I don't ever go back and edit. I don't ever go back and reread. I leave myself tons of notes and then I always leave myself big capital letters when I'm finished writing for the day, this is where you're going next. So that when I come to the manuscript to the next day, I know exactly where I'm going to go with it. And another thing that I have to do um, that's part of my system is I never write on Sundays. So that's always a day off. And I don't write on the first and the third um, Thursdays. So I know that that's going to be a day where I maybe don't remember as well between the two books what's going on. So I really try hard to maybe start a book on that Friday and finish it maybe Wednesday because these are short books. I'm doing really short. I'm, I'm talking 15,000 words in my little, my things that I'm doing right now. So I can do that in, you know, five days. And so 
if I have a longer project, I try really hard to start it on a Monday so that I can get the bulk of it through Saturday and then come back to it the next Monday. Um, just because I know that I can't hold all that information in my brain. <laughs> so I really like to write fast because it comes out faster and it, it takes less editing if I don't have to think so hard about it. Yeah, if you can focus well, in, which is, I, I know you've mentioned you can do 6,000, 7,000 words a day. Which, oh, yeah. Which is phenomenal. Um, I think every, every, every writer's, a lot of writers are jealous of that because sometimes times yeah. we're, you know, tearing our hair out trying to get 2,000 words a day. I know. But, but um, you and I have something in common where you, I started out writing my first book in these little 15-minute breaks at my job where I was like, all right, yes. I got 15 minutes. I can go open my laptop. I can open my Word document. I can load all the way down to the, where, where I left off. I can write for two paragraphs. Mm -hmm. and it's basically time to go back to work. So, yep. but, I, but I did it. Like just every day, a little bit. Okay, at lunchtime, I can get, get in a half hour. You, you, you talked about, you know, like picking your kids up from school, you can write on your phone or write on your, like, I think it's amazing that you are able to produce so much content and have a life. Like you're not just, you know, doing this all the time. Like you, you do manage, you know, a busy schedule with, with kids and um, your husband and obviously taking days off. You're not just writing like me through the weekend. Um, I, I am super impressed with your system so far. Like just what I've heard. Can I pick your brain a little bit? Because one of the things that I struggle with, and I, I'm, I have to think about things a lot before they come out. And like when you're in the groove, yeah, okay, just keep spitting out words. What's your prep process like in terms of outlining so that you, so you know you're gonna go in hardcore for a week, you know, six days, 10 days, however long this book is. You know what your word count is, you do the math, you go, yeah, it's gonna take me. What's, what's it like before that? Tell, take me back to like the thought process of like, how are you outlining? Right. So I use an Excel spreadsheet to outline and, and I write in series as well. So when I'm starting a new series, the spreadsheet is blank. And every time I add a new book to it, I just duplicate that spreadsheet so that I have all of the information for the previous people, restaurants, town, all that stuff in the spreadsheet, right? Mm. So I'm writing book four in a series right now, which, you know, when you're writing in series, the later books tend to go faster mm -hmm. because you don't have to create as much. Right. But what I do is I'm planning out my production schedule all the time. So I know what I'm going to be writing in December and I outline those books in November. So typically what I'll do is I will open up that spreadsheet. I make sure I have it. I've, I set it all up with the name of the book and the people that are, you know, cause it's a romance. So I've got my two, um, my hero and my heroine. I know what, what my tropes are. I identify all the tropes. Um, I typically have already written the first couple chapters because I write the first two chapters. This is part of my writing system. Okay. I write the first two chapters of the next book when I finish the one before it so that I can put those in the back of the book. Um, if they fit within the 10%, which they do because I'm writing so long now that I can put 5,000 words in the back of a 90,000 word book and I'm still okay mm -hmm. um, within the 10%. And so I already have those first two chapters. So I almost always have the introduction already and the meet cute. So I've already got my first three um, beats in my romance beat sheet. And then I just go from there and I have a, a sheet that's only character. So I create the whole character for my hero and for my heroine. I mean, I do everything 
everything. I named their dogs, their horses, what street they live on, what part of town they're in, their their mom, their dad, is their dad alive or dead, their siblings, if their siblings are married, the niece, I name it all. Hmm. And so it sounds like a lot of work, and it is a lot of work, but what I do is I work on it for a whole month. And I typically work on it in, I would say, I 15 minute sessions if I'm really pressed, like I know I need to get this outlined and I don't have very much time, but typically that will turn into a 30 to 60 minute session. And I try hard not to go over 60 minutes. Oh, sorry, the dogs are barking. I try hard not to go over 60 minutes because I get burned out. I don't wanna go yeah. longer than 60 minutes. And so I just find that I would, I don't like it. <laughs> when, do you, like, when do you fit that in? When do you, okay, do you have this on the schedule? Like, okay, this is, I'm gonna spend 60 minutes doing this or are you just working in where you can? No, so every week, so every Saturday, I sit down and I look at my week for next week and I go, what am I, what do I need to work on next week? And I assign every day a word count goal. So mm -hmm. based on what I have going on um, and what day of the week it is, because I know that I'm, I'm kind of trashed on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I never try to write 10,000 words on Thursday. It is not going to happen. Today's Thursday, I know that. So <laughs> I'm like trying to get to 5,000 words today and I'm like, you're not even halfway there yet, it's 7.30. So, yeah. you know, I just I just know that Thursdays are not my, my strongest days for drafting, but I'm really good at other things on Thursdays. So I schedule, I schedule them in, so my on my schedule on Monday, it will say, you know, format this book. And then on Tuesday, it will say transfer the edits for this book. And on Wednesday, it will say email the book to your assistant. So I know I need to get that book out by Friday. So I assign a little task, a little task, a 15 minute task every day until that book goes out so that I know that I can get it out on time. Outlining is the same way. So I know that on lower word count days that I know I'm just not going to be able to produce a high word count. I will put outline, you know, um, you know, harmony of the holiday. That's the one I'm outlining right now. Outline harmony, and I know I need to outline that book. And typically, I work on it in four sessions. So I'll work on the hero one day. I'll work on the heroine the next day. I work on the beats the day after that, and then the last day is the day that I kind of go back to the previous books and pull any information out of them that I need for this book, so that I don't have to go looking for it later. So if I'm working in 30-minute sessions, let's say I can outline a book in two or three hours the previous month. And then when I'm ready to start that book, I have the Word document open, I open the spreadsheet, I go over the whole spreadsheet again. I read it all again, I make any adjustments, I fill in any boxes that I may have missed so that everything is right there in my brain. I know what I need to open up in the first act and, and all the way to the midpoint, I know what I need to close up in the end and I start. Is this is this all in writing marketing systems? The the book do you put all this in as far as your writing systems? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think it's it's fascinating. It, um, Marilyn says, "Wow, what what discipline?" And I agree. Do you feel that you're are you this disciplined about the rest of your life as well, or is it just like your writing business? Um. So I am super routined. I love getting up and doing the same thing in the same order every day. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. I do think that that is a strength of mine, and that's something that I talk about in the Writing and Marketing Systems book is you need to identify what you're really good at, and you need to identify what you're not good at. And then you need to create a system that plays to what you're really good at, 
and covers up what you're not good at. So I am really good at making a to-do list and checking the things off the to-do list. I'm really good at going, I need to outline for 15 minutes. I don't want to do it. I'd rather watch TV or, you know, play a game on my Kindle. But honestly, if I just set the timer, I'm a huge believer in timers. Um, I know that I can just do it. If I just set the timer for 15 minutes, I'll get it done. And so I do. I set the timer for 15 minutes and then I can go do a puzzle or I can take the dogs to the park or, you know, whatever else it is that I really want to do instead of just sitting on the computer all the time. But yeah, it is. I it is a strength of mine that I am very disciplined that way. As well as far as other areas of my life, I mean, I don't know. I, I try to do the, you know, get things done around the house and things like that. But I mean, I work out four or five days a week. I'm pretty disciplined about that. But really, that's because it's a routine. Yeah. It, I know that if I, I things go in this order. I do them. I'm I'm happy. Things get checked off the list. I move on to the next thing on the list. That makes me really happy. So, yeah, you get that so, little do yeah. dopamine hit of like, I crossed that off. I feel accomplished I, today. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Now, I'm yeah. not going to say I do everything on my list every day. I don't. Although, that's not happening today because it's 8 p.m. and there is no way that I can finish my word count and do these other two things. So I move them to the next day. I'm not going to say I check everything off 100% of the time because I do not. So, are you, are, Is that a part of your mental attitude too, being like, don't beat yourself up about it? About oh, yeah. Is that an important part of this system? 100%, you have to go, well, that didn't work. So, okay, great, now what can I do instead? Or, you know, things happen, life blows up. So I have, was planning a, a big writing day on Saturday. It was just me and my husband, we'd left for the weekend and um, he was off doing a bunch of stuff and I was at the cabin alone and I was like, this is be great. And then my son called and he'd gotten in a car accident. So life just blows you up. Like you can't just be like, well, too bad. I have to get 10,000 words today or whatever. I have to format this book or I have to outline for 20 minutes. Like things right. just happen. You have to yeah. kind of adjust on the fly. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll find myself doing a task that needs to be done for like an hour or two hours. And it's not even on my list. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like this should have been on the list if you're going to do this today. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes things come up and you're like, I'd rather work on this. And so you do because yeah. it's something that needs to be done and you're enjoying it. Um, but, yeah, I love routine. I, I love it. I love sitting down and doing the same thing in the same order. And it brings me great comfort to be like, it is 10 a.m. That means it's time to write. Or yeah. I do the bulk of my writing at night. So it is 8 p.m. It is time to write. And I just love that. So. There's a lot to be said for training your brain and also for freeing up space for your brain to be creative in other areas because a lot of, you know, extremely creative and stream, extremely productive people have reduced the amount of decisions they make in a day by just wearing the same clothes every day, like just buying six shirts that are the same and just, you know, putting them on in the morning. And like, you know, the Zuckerbergs and, you know, Steve Jobs, people like that are like, I have a billion things to worry about. I don't want to worry about this. So like yep. routine is one of those things that say, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar uh, in that way. I'm nowhere near as disciplined as you, and I would love to be. So, like, once I check out some of your systems, maybe I'll figure this out. But for example, I eat the same thing every morning. I eat the same smoothie yep. every single day. Yep. I, I make it. It's delicious. I love it. Why would I change it? I know how long it takes me to make it. I yep. we pre-bag. You know, I, I plan it in advance. Yep. I got it all set to go. It's off my plate. It's not. It's never yep. a thing. Um, 
don't ask me how I am if I don't get that smoothie in the morning because that's that's a bad scene. <laughs> um, if you break that routine and are like, we're having pancakes. I'm like, what? Wait, what? 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 Why? <laughs> to have routines when they get broken, it is a little jarring. And yeah. my husband is completely spontaneous. He does not want a routine. If I'm like, we're going to leave at such and such time, he's like, I'm just going to leave when I get up and get ready. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a time that we have to leave. Yeah. And and it's hard for him, and then it's hard for me to be like, well, you're breaking in to my routine <laughs> and my schedule. But I've, I think I'm getting better at, at adjusting to that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have to live with other people. Um, yes, you know, there yes, are we do. Other, there are other humans involved. We have to yes. make, make you know. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, we, yeah. It's challenging. So um, talk to me a little bit about the marketing side of this book because you got writing and marketing systems. And that's something yeah. that I don't know that you touched on necessarily with uh, Jamie and Sarah's show, but I don't, I don't think. But tell me yeah. about some of those. What are some of the systems that you use for marketing that have been working well for you? So, so my business is set up to make money on my backlist. So new releases are awesome, and I do write fast, and, and I release fast too. Um, but my new releases are typically 10% or less of what I make each month. And so a few years ago, um, I was starting to get a pretty decent backlist with Liz Isaacson, especially because she'd been publishing since late 2015. It's about 2017, 18. And I was like, she's got quite a few books, three or you four series. That that's a pen name of yours. Yes. Yes. Liz Isaacson is a pen name of mine. She writes The Christian Cowboys. Um, and she started publishing in late 2015. Elena was still doing, I talk about them as if they're two different people because they kind of are in my brain, but she was still doing trad pub stuff. I just sold some romance to a publisher. I had science fiction and fantasy out. I'd won the Kindle um, Scout program. I had my trad pub science fictions and fantasy novels out. And so it was a few years later that I took all those books down and rebranded Elena. That was 2018. But in the meantime, Liz had been publishing these cowboy romances, and they were doing decently well. Um, and I started to get three, four series, and it starts to get to be a lot to manage. And it's really easy to focus on the front list and the, the very newest thing that came out. But in my brain, I was like, but all of this work that I've already done, I really want to make money on that, too, for a long time. So I set my business up at that point to focus on those books that were already out. And, of course, I'm going to focus on my front list, too. Part of my marketing system is my front list. Um, I'm always going to be um, pushing something in the front list. But um, in 2018, <clears throat> I decided that I was going to be pushing three books a month. There was going to be th not three books, but three something, three marketing opportunities a month. Um, and usually it was based on a new release and then two backlist uh, series of some kind, whether that was uh, putting book one free. I was in KU, putting book one free and book two ninety nine cents and buying ads, booking ads and pushing the books and things like that. And when I say buying ads, I'm talking about applying to BookBub, Robin Reads, um, yeah. those kinds of old newsletter sites. ads. Yeah. Yes. I didn't start paid like um, cost per click advertising until January of 2018. So, you know, 2017, 18, I was still doing a lot of newsletter ads and really pushing those and, and booking that. Um, so typically I just, you know, would use my K KU free days and promos and build big things around series. Um, and I don't 
I don't wait for something to come to me. And I realized this, this is, I realized all of this as I was writing the marketing systems part is I, I create things to promote my books. So I don't really need to do Christmas in July. I can do whatever I want in July and I can do Christmas in October if I want and I can do all kinds of different things. And I call them personal marketing events. So PMEs and limited time um, sales or limited time opportunities. So those are the LTOs. So I always have something like that going on that I'm always planning for. Um, some big sales, sometimes it's around a new release, sometimes it's simply a backlist title. So I create them and I set them up and I use my own newsletter and I book ads and I use paid advertising now for those as well. But basically just anything I can do to get my readers and get new readers into the backlist. Because in my opinion, you have different tiers of marketing. So you have new people that you're trying to get. And I think some people think that they're only ever trying to get new people, which we are. We're always trying to get new people, right? That's what Fantastic. ads do. That's Yeah, that's what newsletter swaps do. We're always trying to get new people. But then you've got people that you have on your list or that have read a book or two, and they're really lukewarm. And what are you going to do with them? So I have a, a strategy for those people as well, and it's all social media for those people. So I try to get them on my newsletter and engaged. Mm -hmm. So newsletter is a huge part of your marketing system where you engage people that are lukewarm, have read one or two books. Because I want them to read all of my books. I mean, I have 80 or 90 of them. You can go ahead and read all those. Yeah. And, and, and then I want them to be super fans. And then I have super fans. Well, super fans are what new releases are for. New releases are not for new readers. So, and I think that's a big fallacy. I think a lot of indies think, well, I've got a new release and I'm gonna get so many new readers with this new release. The new release is not for new readers, it's for super fans. So in my opinion, it, that's how I do it. No, that but, makes sense to me. And, and, that, and, and everybody else can do what they wanna do, but it's why I don't personally price my new releases at 99 cents. I am not trying to find new fans with a new release. I am trying to make money on people that already like me. So I'm going to put my books at full price on pre-order and full price on new release. And I'm not going to reduce that price until I do a big limited time promotion or a personal marketing event surrounding that series. Mm -hmm. And that is when I will then try to bring in new readers to that specific series. I reward old readers or you know my super fans I reward them if they haven't picked the books up yet and I can I can warm up my lukewarm people with my personalized marketing events and my limited time promotions yeah. so I do both of those so limited time promotion like if people want to know the difference a limited time promotion is like I've got book four coming out in my series it's gonna be a hard release so I'm gonna do a limited time promotion on books one two and three so maybe book one will be free and book two will be 99 cents and book three will be 99 cents and book four is full price because I always release a full price. And so that brings new people into the series. Uh, I make money on the new release with my super fans and I'm warming people up and re-engaging people who are in the middle who maybe haven't read the series yet or read one of the books in the series. So no matter what I'm doing, I'm trying to always move people up to the super fan level because that's I where I make money, right, I, I, on full price books. So the it. more the more people I can get up to the super fan level to buy full price books, 
the, the happier I am. So that's the goal. And then personalized marketing events are a little bit different because they're not based on any new releases. They're based on all purely backlist, pure backlist. Um, so I just did one in October around my cowboy billionaires. They've been out for two years. So I did a two year anniversary sale. That's it. It's personalized to me. It's not Christmas in July. It's not, you know, October Christmas. It's not Black Friday. It's not any of those things that you see everybody signing up for. Book funnel, let's all sign up and, and share our books about this specific thing. It's not anything like that. It's personalized to me, so everybody can do it. You can do, I've been publishing for a year, so I'm going to put some books on sale. I'm so glad that I've been an indie author for one year now. Yeah. Like, it's a personal marketing event that is personal just to you. I did one when I retired from teaching. I had a big sale, big, huge celebration. I, I get to retire from teaching and be a full-time author. And so I try to really do two things with them. Number one, I try to engage fans and get, get them to know me, like a personal thing about me. I'm, I'm retiring from teaching, and I've loved teaching, but blah, blah, blah. It's really personal. And in the newsletter, it's personal. All the social media is personal. Everything's personal. Get to know me. I'm, you know, I'm a fun author, you know, and, but the books are also on sale. So that's the personal marketing event. It's a, it's different than just having a book on sale because you have a new release or even just different than I'm going to put some books on sale because I got a book bug. Um, if you can make it personal, it's better. I find that it's always better if you can make it personal yeah. because you can re-engage fans. Um, you can, they get to know you, those, those super fans, they want to know you. They want to know things about you. They want to, they want to engage with you. And the more you can do that in a way that you're still, you know, a person, <laughs> you know, you don't have to tell them everything, right. then better, the better, the more they like you, the more books of yours they'll read. You have a, a brilliant plan and there's like 10,000 things I could pull from that that are, that are useful and interesting. But one of the things that I think resonates with me the most was that you have very specific focused goals for each activity. Okay, this activity oh. has this goal. I, I'm looking for this outcome. Because I think so many authors are like, oh, well, I want to launch this book. And I, yeah, I want to find new readers and I want to make a lot of money and I want to do this and this. And their Venn diagrams, like they're trying to hit this tiny little spot where all these things intersect. And I do this. I do this. I'm doing this literally right now. I'm trying to like launch a new book while simultaneously trying to get new readers because I'm in a new genre. But I, but I have right. that as a goal. Like, okay, this is a goal. I'm going to aim towards this end of the Venn diagram. I'm going to try to get new readers. It is a focus goal. So my pricing and everything is according to that. But like, you're making that very clear that don't just randomly throw a bunch of stuff out there. Don't just do a bunch of newsletter ads and do a bunch of promos without a focused goal. And it's one of the things I see indies do all the time where it's like, oh, I'm not getting reviews. What, did you ask for reviews? Is that the first thing you asked for in the back of your book? And they're like, no, no, I try to send it to my, well, the, then you don't want reviews. Like if you want reviews, then ask for reviews. Like yeah. tune the machine to do the thing you want to do. And that's one of the, the things I'm big on is like we, we create this little business and it is this little machine that we have to tune. I'm an aircraft mechanic, so I think about it in terms oh. of mechanical terms. But yeah. I think of like you've got to actually change the settings on your business to achieve the desired results. And you're doing that. And I think that this is, I'm fascinated and I'm going to read your book because I, 
I, this, this resonates with my brain and how I think already of having a system for it is so much easier than just looking at your screen, looking at your Kindle dashboard, looking at all these promo sites and being, and just pushing buttons and hoping something good happens, which I think yeah. that's what a lot of people do is they're just, you know, I'm going to throw out books. I'm going to apply for book bub. Oh, I'm going to throw a bunch of ads out and then good things will happen. And it's just not that way. You know, it's you start to feel like you're just on the hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my income's going down, so I'm going to do this big promotion, and your income might go back up, but then it just goes right back down again. Right. And so for me, I constantly thought about that because I've been on the hamster wheel, and I I still am, but I've been on the hamster wheel where I'm releasing a new book every month, and I'm still making the same amount. And I'm making the same amount and I'm making the same amount over and over and over. And it yeah. comes to a point where you're like, well, why am I not making more? What, what am I not retaining? And so for me, I finally realized you're not retaining. <laughs> like, I finally realized like those words, you are not retaining. <laughs> so I thought, okay, how do I get people to stay with me? How do I get them to, to start with me? Like, it's great. I want as many people as I can to start with me. How do I get them to stay with me? So I, so I really try to think about that. It's taking my new reader. I can get a new reader. Most of us can find new readers. Um, Pay-per-click pay ads is how we do that. That's the best way, I think, to find new readers. But I'm not necessarily using my pay-per-click ads to retain readers. I'm only using them to find them. Then once I have them, how do I retain them? And so for me, that starts at the book level. So I wanna write the very, very, very best book I can that will retain readers and go, wow, I really liked this book. I better get the next one. And is, and your, so, is your niche genre targeting part of that strategy, part of that book level of being like, you're coming here for your cowboy Christian cowboy romances, like because yes. like, you're so good at writing in a specific lane. Yes, and so and I've even narrowed it down even farther. I have not released a non-Christmas book for eighteen months. So I release a book every month under Liz Isaacson, and they have been Christmas books since June of two thousand nineteen. Wow. So for 18 months, I have not released a book that has not had a Christmas theme. That's so I niche it even. I niche it even farther. So I do Christian, which is a which is a big huge market, and yeah. I do contemporary cowboys, which makes the market a little narrower. But it's a really evergreen trope. And then I I paired it with Chris, with Christmas because I love writing Christmas romance. Yeah. And um, I want, that's what I, I wanted to do. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do this. I do have one coming out in December of all months that will not be a Christmas It's <laughs> <laughs> connected funny. to a Christmas series. But yeah, I did that. And um, uh, I don't know if you you look at the K-Lytics and stuff. Alex Newton did a Christmas, yeah. uh, Christmas romance. And I was yeah. number one. Liz Isaacson was number one in Christmas wow. romance because that's literally all she does. Yeah. So if I'm not number one in Christmas. I'm like, come on, who, what are we doing here? <laughs> this, is, this is what I do. <laughs> this yeah. is what I do. So, and I'm not saying you have to niche down like that, but I am saying that, like, when I do takeovers and stuff, I just did one a couple weeks ago on a page. I'm like, 
If you're looking for a cowboy Christmas romance, you don't need to look anywhere but Liz. Liz is your girl for that. And so, because that's what she writes over and over and over again. That's what she, what she writes. She's going to deliver that for you every time. So, yes, it starts at the book level that you have to deliver what they want. And so, I mean, I can get them there. I can even get them there with a low CPC. I mean, I can make that happen. But I have to retain them. So I want to retain them first with the writing. And then I want to retain them secondly with my personality. So the newsletter, the social media, the reader groups. And then if I can't retain them that way, if they're lukewarm, you know, um, then I really try to, re to reel them back in with my sales to get them back into the book, which I hope will retain them, or engaged in the newsletter, which I hope will retain them mm. and move them up my tiers. I want them to move up the tiers of my fandom. That's what I want. This is, this is fantastic. This is like just so darn useful. And um, tell me tell me about your autoresponder. Tell me a little bit about like when I sign up, let's say, okay, I, I clicked on any of your ads. I read your Christian Cowboy Romance and I'm like, this is my jam. So I'm gonna potentially at the back of the book just go on and read some more, but it's somewhere along the line I have to maybe encounter your freebie magnet, something. Yeah. Yeah. What, what gets me on the list and then what's what what do you hit me with when I first sign up? So my just wrote a brand new reader magnet this year. I've been using an uh, a different one from my first very poor series in Three Rivers um, for five years. So I used that for five years. I wrote a new reader magnet this year and released it in July. And so and what I did with that is I had a series which happened to be my second series in Three Rivers. Three Rivers I has, have found. I'm releasing my third series in Three Rivers right now. People like Three Rivers. So I'm like, dude, I can write in Three Rivers from here until forever. So um, I've decided to kind of stick in that same world instead of creating all these other new worlds because I can retain more people that way. And um, I had created a family of seven sons, and their mom and dad was really uh, prevalent throughout the series. And I had a lot of people, my super fans, I do listen to my super fans telling me, oh, I want this mom and dad's romance. I want the mom and dad's romance. So I wrote the mom and dad's romance, and that is my current reader magnet from 1971. So it's historical, basically. but yeah. um, And so it's in the back of all those books. Oh, you can read mama and daddy's story, get Gideon's Precious Penny. Um, I put it in the back of all my Three Rivers books. If you love Three Rivers, read this prequel novella to the next Three Rivers series. It's just ever so they get that. And then they get another free book as well when they sign up. So it's a prequel to another series. It's my Hill Country series. So they get two free books. And then I am kind of a freak. And I know that I am a complete outlier in this regard. But I have an automation sequence that I think is 18. I think it's 18 emails long. Okay. So most people have a complete heart attack at that. They think, yeah. you know, you only have four or five or whatever. I have 18. So what I do I is I kind of, I just, what I do with my newsletter is I sell my whole backlist. So I have a lot of series. So Liz has 10 series. I think her 11th series just started. So she has 10 full series, complete, full, done series. And I want an email for each of those. So that's 10 emails right there. But I don't want every email to be a hard sell, buy my book, read this series, read this series, read this series. Right. So I spaced them out every, I used to do every three, but the sequence was too long. So now I do every two emails. So 
you know, you'll get the free books and then I ask you to follow me on BookBub, Goodreads, and Amazon. Um, I think I push a series at you after that. Then I ask you to join my review crew on Facebook. So I have a review crew with a few thousand people in it that I give books to every month, um, my new releases. And so that's just a tier of fandom right there. That, say, that they you say go. a few thousand? Yeah. Yeah, I think I have, I don't know, 3,200. It's a little over 3,000. How many actual arcs do you give out? Um, so I use BookFunnel to do that, mm -hmm. and I probably give out five, six hundred, five to six hundred with everyone. Okay. So I give out a lot, but yeah. um, I just, I don't, I just don't worry about it. Yeah, like no, I just, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of like a karma thing. I think a lot of people worry that if they give out arcs, they won't make any money. Yeah, that's but true. that's, yeah, I just don't think that's true. A lot of a lot of those readers, if they become if they hit the super fan level, they'll just buy your book anyway because yes. they want they like you, yeah. so they like they me. Be, and yeah, that's I'm I feel exactly the same way. I and um, my beta team that I um, that are like my, my main readers, I call them the uh, the type pros. Yeah, they they catch all my yeah they'll they're I put their names in the back of the book too, so and like they I don't I don't know this to be true but. If there's a book out there with my name in it, I want that on my shelf. You know I mean? That's right. kind of like when I clear out my bookshelf, all the ones that people have personally signed to me stay, even if they're a book right. I'm never going to read. Like they're still there because my name's in that. I can't throw that out. My name's in that. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and then I start just pushing, uh, and I push another series at you, and then I'll do a poll. I'll ask you what a fair price for an ebook is. Mm. I ask them to share their favorite recipes with me. Yeah. So I give them one of mine and I talk to them about why I like it. So it's personal. It's all very personal. And then I ask them to share that with me. Um, I can't remember what they all are, but then I push another series. Then I ask them something else. Share your favorite um, romance book that you, your favorite book that you've read and your favorite author. And I do that because that's keyword gathering for me. How do you so, reply? Do you reply to these emails? Yes. Yes. So I reply to all emails that are sent back to me from my newsletter. Mm -hmm. So I do that in what I call downtime, where I'm sitting at the school waiting for my daughter on my phone. I will answer emails on my phone while I'm at the school. Or, you know, you know you've got those 10-minute windows where you're waiting for your spouse to, like, show up or you know, a meeting to start or, you know, you, you're exhausted, but you can't fall asleep. So you're like, I'll answer an email for 10 minutes. That's when I do those things is in my little 10 minute downtimes. I'll just, you know, Gmail makes it easy because they have a lot of auto responders. I can just type, I can tap thanks and hit send, tap thanks, yeah. hit send. Yeah. And so it's not like this massively personal reply, but it's a reply. Yeah. And some of them are personal. If somebody emails me and tells me a big story and and something like that, I will reply with more than one word or five words or whatever. Right, but yeah. Yeah, so my my newsletter strategy is I'm a taker and I'm a user, but I'm making it look like we're becoming friends. Yeah. And so sometimes and sometimes friends. honestly you are, I'm sure. I'm sure there's people that you have yeah. actually built these I know, at least well, I know I have. When they hit that super fan yeah. level, like you get to know them. Like these are your friends online, sort of. Yeah. Um, they, so. they really are, and and they tell you things. And yeah, my newsletter is 
tell me this, and then I use that in some way. It's not just frivolous. Right. Yeah. So I ask, I ask them for authors, book titles, because I can use those in targeting and keywords, in kind of knowing who my fans are and what they like, so I can read those reviews and see what they like about those books so that mm -hmm. I can put those paintings in my books, mm -hmm. all of that. So everything I do with the newsletter is informational gathering for me, but makes it look like we're becoming friends. It's a real fine line, but you can do it. I'm surprised at how many indies don't survey their lists, don't actually ask their readers questions. They just assume they think that their readers are like them. Therefore, they, yeah. they don't bother to ask. And then when you go out and ask... You're sometimes I'm sometimes flabbergasted when I ask a, a poll of my newsletter like how many of you I remember listening I've told this before on the podcast but one time I was listening to um, I think it was Mark and James on uh, mm -hmm. self publishing and, and, and Mark had a survey and I got the idea for the survey from him and um, James asked the question well because one of the questions he had was which of my books do you like the best or how many books have, have you read and James asked well did you include an option for if they haven't read any of your books and Mark said well you know, if they're on my list, they probably read at least one of my books. And I said, well, maybe. And I asked that question myself, but I added the option of haven't read any yet. Something like 25% of the people on my newsletter haven't read any of my books yet. And I was yeah. just like, what? Like, how? how? How is this a thing? And they're not unsubscribing. Like, why aren't they unsubscribing? If they did, they're just getting my newsletter, not reading any of my books. And I'm like, what is going on here? So, like, it was it blew me away that it was that big of a number and yeah. but they were opening the emails. They're opening the, e they're not just like going to spam. They're not unsubscribing. They are legitimately open the emails, reading them and still not buying any of the books. And like, but it, it makes you understand that your job of retention, maybe in this case I was retaining them fine, but I was failing to sell them any of my books. But like, so maybe that's an opposite problem of what you're talking about. But you also can continue to sell to these people because they're still new to you, even though they're on your list. And people yeah. think, oh, they're on my list. They've read all of my books. Mm, not true. So, not true. Yeah. Not true at all. And that's something that I did learn um, in a course I took recently is, you know, we're so familiar with our books. We've read all of our books. So, of course, yeah. everybody has read all of our books. But it's not true. And so right. you really yeah. do you just need to revisit them all sometimes just in my regular newsletter, I send a newsletter every week every week. In my regular newsletter I just do a spotlight on one of my old series. Yeah. Because there might be a lot of new people on my list that have not seen that series yet. Yeah, I started doing that too where at the end of my newsletter I'll just take a little excerpt from a specific book and at the very bottom of my newsletter I'll just start putting a little blurb of okay this is from this this is this scene from this book and yeah it works because people are like oh i like this scene i do kind of and i ran a, a sale on a book three and was shocked to see how many people were just like oh yeah i want to jump on that like they book three of four and i assumed they had already read all of the series and they were just again you don't know until you ask or you don't it's know true. until you try like you'd be surprised at how little we know about how our readers yeah. behave it's true. And it's actually one of my big pet pet peeves. Anytime I see anybody say, well, as a reader, I, I'm like, mm, no, you don't get yeah. to answer that question like that. 
Mm-hmm. I actually typed up a great big huge like rant about it, and then I just deleted it because I was like, <laughs> nobody needs to rant about this. But I just assume I think it's my personal opinion. As soon as you hit publish, you do not get to make any business decisions that start with as a reader because yeah. you're not anymore. Right. You are an author running a business, and you are not thinking rationally or clearly or subjectively as a reader. So mm-hmm. I hate that. When I see people say it, I literally like want to dislike their comment. <laughs> like I'm just like, yeah. no. But yeah. like, you just don't. You have to make decisions based as an author uh, for your own business, of course. But then what you're trying to do is sell books. So you don't get to make decisions as a reader because you're not right. a reader. Right. And, and your readers are not you and they have so many different opinions and different practices that you don't even think of. And right. so your job is to sell them books. Yeah, and I think the idea there's this seed of an idea that we are told often as writers, which may be good advice, maybe bad advice, of like having this ideal reader in your head that you're writing right. to. This is the person. Or having this ideal person in your head that you're writing your newsletter to. I'm writing specifically to this person. And, the, and her name is, you know, this and this and this is what she is she lives here and like you have this very focused individual person but you have to understand that she is one of you know 2500 different types of readers and if you only yeah. focus on that specific type of reader you're leaving out all of the other types of readers and you're not hitting them so it's again it's maybe it's good advice if it's good advice for you then great but it's it may not be good advice for you one of those things that you might just want to throw that out and rethink it and um i love that you were so upfront about right. that of being like mm, you know stop trying to be this way because someone else says says you have to be this way and yeah this is why i have these conversations right. like literally like why i do this podcast is because so i can have conversations like this and i'm fascinated <laughs> i'm blown away by your whole system and i like, oh. I, I can't wait to read your book. I think you're brilliant. This is this is wonderful. Well, well, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. You're so nice. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it, it's it's merited. You you you. I'm not even being nice. You're just you're you obviously have thought this out, and you because I think one of the things that some writers struggle with early on is that they they take so long to write their first book. They take so long, or if you're like me, I've got you know ten products out at this point. I, I'm a pretty slow. I really slowly. Like, you know, for a while it was once a year. Now I'm finally ramping up faster. Um, just because it's not my full-time gig. I've got other I've got other businesses right. that I run. And it gets, you know, it's my choice. But by doing 90, 100 books, I don't know how many you have at this point, you have accelerated your learning process. And by coming up with a system that allows you to do this, you've gotten better and better. And you're at a level of systems management and of just maturity as an author that it takes the rest of us a really long time to achieve and you've been managed to achieve it in a very short period of time because of your systems so you have this sort of system maturity um, which is fascinating for someone like me who has yet to achieve that level of system maturity so i think it's wonderful that you're writing this series and sharing this knowledge with us because as you forge ahead and i see you're just going to be a smoke trail on the horizon for me, <laughs> but I'm going to follow that trail. You know, I mean, that's going to be like, yeah. I'm going to keep look a lookout for that little trail of dust that you're leaving behind, and I'm going to follow it because you're doing good things. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, but it really works for me. The systems really work for me. And, you know, if they don't work for other people, if you're not that kind of personality, that's totally fine. And that's kind of what the book is about is you need to figure out what you can do and, and what you can't based on your own personal family life. Um, cause I don't have little children. My children are old. And so, you know, but they have their own set of challenges. Right. And so, you know, you just have to do what works best for you. And I, I have finally just come to peace with that. And so that's kind of what the book is, is stop trying to be what everybody else is and figure out your own self, what systems work for you, what systems will not work for you. Yeah. I think, I think that's fantastic advice. Where can people find your series? Where's the best place to connect with you online? So the best place to connect with me online is on my Indie Inspiration group. So I have a group, I have a page and a, a group. So the page is really just, you have to have a, I, I don't really know. I made the page and then somebody else was like, you should make a group. So I attached a group to it. So the Facebook group is Indie Inspiration with Elena Johnson. Okay. And then my books, I think the books are under that same um Umbrella, Indie Inspiration for Self-Publishers, I think is the name of the series. Okay. I put my middle initial in on the author name on that so that I could separate my fiction and my nonfiction. Yeah. Because I was putting, you know, Amazon was marketing my nonfiction to my romance readers and they were like, what is this? Yeah. And so I put an initial in there and the Indie Inspiration books are wide. So they are available in paperback and ebook on all the platforms, um, Barnes and & Noble and Nook and... That's all the yeah. same platform, uh, Kobo and, and Apple yeah. and Google Play. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm personally going to go check out your Facebook group. I think it sounds like an amazing place. Um, I'm going to yeah, go, go join right now. And then um, awesome. I, I, I imagine you'll get, a, you know, a few a few listeners over, over, the, over the months that or whoever's still listening to my, my little podcast is uh, yeah. going to go, go head over there too, because you are a wealth of knowledge. And I think it's, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show tonight. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been fun. Absolutely. I hope to have you on again uh, sometime in the future. Next time you have got a, a book out or something like that, I would love to have you back. Sure. Sounds great. All right. Thank you everyone for, for, uh, for watching and for listening. And we'll catch you again uh, next week for another episode. So long.